Hey, it's Johnny Jet. Welcome back to my podcast, YouTube channel. Today we have Misty Bellis, who is in Washington, D.C., from Virtuoso. What is your, what's your title, Misty? I am the Vice President of Global Public Relations. And what is Virtuoso? Virtuoso is a network that specializes in luxury and experiential travel. And we have a couple of really key components to make that happen. We have travel agencies that are considered members of Virtuoso, and we have those in more than 50 countries. And that accounts for more than 20,000 travel advisors. Then the other side of that equation are the preferred partners that we work with. So hotels, resorts, spas, cruise lines, airlines, anyone that touches some facet of travel. And we have more than um, 2,200 of those in more than 100 countries. So when you bring those two entities together, they create something really special for the for the traveler. So were you guys the ones that changed, you know, the term travel agents to travel advisors? Because I was confused in the beginning, like when I first learned about it 10 years ago or so. I don't know. Yeah, agent, advisor, you know, everyone knows the term travel agent. But yes, we we're really deeply passionate about changing travel, the word travel agent to travel advisor, particularly for our advisors, because it, what they offer their clients is really something beyond um, just booking the travel. It's a consultative process. It's a collaborative process. And our advisors become truly trusted advisors to their clients. And I will tell you, back in 2001, we changed our mission statement to focus on travel advisors um, instead of it being transactional to have it be relationship-based. And so, yeah, we're behind the the agent to advisor uh, evolution there. So, with these advisors, you know, it's 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 more for luxury trips. It's not just for someone who wants to book a trip from L.A. to New York. They're not going to call one up for a flight, except maybe if it's first class. What do you what do you think about that? Would they do it for coach? Well, I think it depends. Really, we're for anybody who values travel and who values their time. Um, there are certain things that come with working with a travel advisor, uh, especially right now. The value that they bring is is absolutely tremendous. So pre-pandemic, if you knew exactly what you were doing and were just booking a point A to point B, pretty simple trip, you could probably do that on your own. However, I think you'll agree there are no simple trips anymore, um, not coming out of the pandemic. And so using an advisor makes more sense now than ever before, because even a simple trip can turn complicated. Flights get canceled, flights get reworked, um, policies keep changing. Uh, so so really the, the value that they provide is the real-time information and, and really having your back. So yeah, for example, a few weeks ago, there's been a meltdown, especially in Florida. Instead of being on hold for hours, having the airline hang up on you or trying to say you can't get out for days, having one of these advisors would do all that dirty work for you. You just make one phone call or email or text, I assume, and they would do it. Yeah. Well, first of all, they'll communicate with you however you need. So a, a text works just fine for for most. Um, and, and yeah, they're the ones who who have your back there. They're watching those airlines. They're seeing what flights are getting canceled. They're seeing what's going on. And a lot of them can even proactively take care of that even before you know it. I've, I've had situations where I've landed and found out that my next flight was canceled, but I was rebooked on another one. So all I had to do was walk over, get my ticket and get to my new flight. That's a huge pain point that's removed by having someone there watching over me. But so can you 
or can customers book a, a coach ticket through these people and yeah, you know how much it costs? Absolutely. Yeah. So there are fees that are associated sometimes with those, um, with those transactions. Um, but that fee of 25, 35, you know, $50, whatever it might be, depending on what you've negotiated with the, with the advisor, um, is well worth it when you've got somebody there looking after you. So the fees are going to vary depending on whether it's something simple or something more complex, gotcha. but you can, you can have them book any aspect of your travel for you. And if they book a safari, do they charge a fee on that or, they, or it's just part of their commission? It's going to run the gamut in terms of, of fees. There are some advisors who don't charge fees, but more and more, especially coming through the pandemic, you are seeing this um, shift to a, a fee structure. And again, it's going to really depend on the complexity of the trip. Some will charge what they call a plan to go fee, which is if they do all the planning for you and then you book the trip, they'll roll that fee into the cost of the trip. Some will um, charge a percentage of the trip. Uh, some charge actually a, a retainer and they'll just take care of all your travel for you. So th that's a question to ask the advisor when you start to work with them. What's their business model? Right. And so how can my listeners find one of your advisors? Oh, please visit us at virtuoso.com. And what you're going to find is um, a travel agency catalog, but also an advisor catalog on there. And it's almost like a match.com in a way. You you go in, you look for the advisor who really matches what you're looking for. Destination specialty, the languages they speak. You'll see the number of times they visited the destination, where all they traveled. There's a bio there to see their experience. You see how long they've been in the industry. And it, you know the, there's a certain... Um, element of chemistry there. And, and when you do just a little bit of homework on your own to find someone who really seems to have a similar viewpoint on travel as you, then that's how we, we create some of the most successful relationships there. And do you or other customers have multiple advisors? So would you have one for cruising or going to Africa or Asia or Europe? Well, I'm probably not a good person to ask because after 20 plus years with Virtuoso, I feel like I've got all of them at my disposal. But <laughs> I think most clients... Um, usually go to an advisor for a particular trip. It may start off with a, a trip to Africa or you know, a trip to Europe, honeymoon, whatever it is, but you start to build this relationship with that advisor who gets to know you as a traveler, which is really the most important thing because not every advisor is gonna know every corner of the world, but they do have access to our network and that opens up the world to them. So it's really more important to find an advisor who you really click with, who can handle all your travel. Definitely. And so I'm just looking at your guys' um, press release that you just released on basically where affluent Americans are venturing this summer. Yes. And, and venturing they are. I'm sorry? I said adventuring they are. Travel is, is really coming back. It really has. I mean, which is great for everybody because yes. travel is such a huge impact in the economy and just people's mental wellness. So, Absolutely. and, and I'm traveling, by the way, are you traveling? I'm traveling quite a bit. I really started last summer and I think I've done a trip a month, you know, since then. And, and a lot of it international, I've been to Europe several times. Um, I, uh, I was in Antarctica. Um, yeah. so yeah, I've, I've sort of been all over the place. And how did it feel? Were you worried about, you know, getting COVID or testing positive, not being able to get back home? You know, that sort of sticks in the back of your mind a little bit of, okay, there, there's always this concern of, will I get it and will it derail the trip? 
but I have to say it felt so good to get back on an airplane. It felt so good to get out and travel again and to see new things and to see something other than my six block radius that I've you know been in for so long. So yeah. I, I loved it. I kind of came alive being able to travel again. So tell me about this survey, how you guys, you know, came up with these 10 destinations for summer, one's for uh, U.S. and one's international, where you're, I mean, how many, how many um, I know I read, I think it was almost $50 billion were spent, and how many people was that across? I'm not sure. Yeah, it, so we have a, a big data warehouse of almost $50 billion worth of transactions for uh, leisure travelers. So we can tap into that to see where they're going. And that's how we mine this information to see where they're booking, what, you know, what's most popular with them. And, um, you know, U.S. still is the number one destination, even when we look at it from a global perspective. And then we can break it down from there to see where in the U.S. they're traveling. But seven of the top 10 destinations are actually in Europe. So you can see how much pent up demand there is for Europe. Definitely. So Italy, France, Canada, Greece, the UK, Spain, Mexico, Switzerland. And but you, so you're saying that the US is the number one destination even for your international clients who live outside of the United States or coming here? So the, this survey is actually just of US travelers. Okay. So it's where where are they going um, from the US onward? So we know that within the US, they are traveling, you know, they're staying domestic um, first and foremost. Um, and that's but, probably because of the testing or they're worried about getting COVID. Yeah, it, it's really more the testing. It's the fear of getting stuck more than anything. Right. The the 24-hour testing policy to get back in the U.S. is probably the biggest deterrent to international travel right now. And that's mine, too. That's why I've not, yeah. I've not gone out of the country in over two years. Really? Yes. And because I just don't want to get stuck and not be able to see my kids for a couple of weeks. Well, I understand that. Like you, I have... I have two kiddos and um, that does concern me, but um, you know, so far, so far, so good. I've not been derailed. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm happy for you, uh, but we are going to Canada this summer. So okay. I will have my first international trip. Hopefully by then they'll drop the uh, testing to get back into the U.S. I think they will, but we'll find out. What do you think? Do you think they'll drop it? I think they will, but I, I know that they're looking into other countries to see how that's progressing uh, for the other countries who have dropped that requirement. Are they seeing surges yet? I think it really remains to be seen. If there's another surge in the U.S., we, we may not see that go away quite yet. Right. And then speaking of the U.S., so the top 10 destinations where virtuoso travelers are going, mm -hmm. I'm happy to see that my state, California, is at the top. Yeah, absolutely. California is the biggest draw and has remained pretty popular over the past year uh, for travelers in terms of domestic. Um, but especially for summer, I mean, as you know, because you're a resident there, California offers so much. If you want to be outdoorsy and adventures are calling, then it offers that food and wine. It's some of the best um, culinary offerings in the, in the country. And then you've got beaches. So it really has huge appeal for for yeah. travelers of different types. You can, you know, I live in Los Angeles. You can be in Mexico in two and a half hours. You could be in the desert in an hour and a half. You can be in the mountains in an hour and a half, and you can yeah. be in the beach in two minutes. Um, so it really is amazing what we have. And um, and then Hawaii is number two, which is we just came back from Hawaii, my family and I, and loved it. I mean, unfortunately, from 
from the U.S. It's not from California. It's only a five and a half hour flight, so it's easy. And fares are really cheap, by the way, to Hawaii, although hotels are not. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, well, but, but that that is going to continue to be something that we're going to see in travel where the hotels are probably um, going to be a little bit more expensive. But, you know, for Hawaii, um, people love those beach vacations and it is it's a huge draw. Actually, when we looked at where people were wanting to go domestically, beach was was the number one draw. So it's no surprise that Hawaii is, is pulling them in. I will say for us East Coasters, it is a commitment to get to Hawaii, <laughs> but it's well worth it once you once you step off the plane. It really is. And and Florida is number three, which, you know, I, I assume it was number one two years ago when there yeah. were no restrictions in Florida, but there were heavy restrictions everywhere else, especially California and Hawaii. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Florida was number one. I, I think part of the reason you're seeing it as number three is that this is summer. And so typically Florida is not, you know, those those southeastern states right. aren't usually where people tend to go. I, I was actually pretty impressed to see both um, Florida and South Carolina in the top 10 uh, for summer travel. Agreed. I actually have friends who are in the industry in Florida and they're like, they've had their best couple of years there. Highest hotel rates. Yeah. Um, and actually, they're meeting this week, all, all the airline executives, because they're trying to do something with the um, with the airlift. I mean, they're having problems with the FAA and, you know, they had that meltdown a few weeks ago. And, you know, there, I guess there's so many private jets, so many flights scheduled and just not enough staff. So yeah. and the space. Oh, don't forget about the space. The, the, the space launches have really uh, messed things up a little bit. I didn't even actually consider that as a factor, but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that was one of the that was one of the big reasons that um, tripped them up three weeks ago. Yeah, the uh, airspace there. Yeah, interesting. So, but anyway, uh, did I miss anything? I, I mean, you can. I'll create a blog post so people can see the rest of the top ten list. But New York and Alaska are on there, which you probably would have guessed. And can you share where you're going this summer? Are you going anywhere fun? Well, we're actually thinking that through right now because um, I have a 12-year-old son who is deeply committed to his Little League summer season. Oh, so boy. we're trying to find the the hole in the summer where we can go. But we're actually probably headed to Colorado um, okay. for this summer. We've not been in a couple years now, so we're anxious to get back there and spend some time in the mountains. And, uh, and that was one of the um, surprising things. Actually, it shouldn't be too surprising, but in your survey... Uh, yeah, Colorado, like Colorado for summer travel. Yeah, yeah, you're you're seeing those winter destinations coming up for summer as well, which is actually our favorite time to be there as well. I mean, people want to be outdoors. They still, they still want to get be out there and and be safe because unfortunately the pandemic is not done with us yet. So, no, it, it's not. But it is it is certainly getting better and it's feeling more normal out there. Without a doubt. Well, Misty Bellis. Thank you very much for taking the time. And where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I document all of my travels. So please come along with me there. Um, and then please uh, follow Virtuoso's social channels, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn uh, to see what we're up to. All right. Great. All right, Misty. Well, I hope you have a great summer and uh, maybe we'll be back again in, um, in the fall. We'll talk about the fall trends. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.